trust the movement, I negate the chaos, uplift the negative, I'll show up at the table again and again. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio, conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Don Knickerbocker, Jerry Neri, and Guy Jones, all Indigenous leaders and organizers in Southwest Ohio. Don Knickerbocker belongs to the Anishinaabe people and is a citizen of the White Earth Nation. She is an enrolled member of the Minnesota Chippewa Tribe from the Otter Tail Pillager Band of Indians. She is an environmentalist, activist, is working on culturally based sustainable development issues and decolonization in her own community in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Don is a current board member of the Greater Cincinnati Native American Coalition, co-leader of Mothers Out Front of Ohio, co-founder of WARN, Ohio, Women of All Red Nations. She's the former elected chair of the Advisory Commission on Diversity for the state of Washington and is a published nonfiction writer, poet, and speaker. Jerry Neri belongs to the Indy Diné people. He works as the executive director with the Greater Cincinnati Native American Coalition. He is a published writer, artist, activist, and water protector. Jerry has worked with tribal leaders all over the nation and the world on issues from sovereignty, ceremony, sustainable development, and more. He was a part of Standing Rock from start to finish. And Guy Jones of the Hungpapa Lakota, a citizen of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. He is the founder and current leader of the Miami Valley Council for Native Americans in Dayton, Ohio, and the Greater Cincinnati Native American Coalition. Guy has served as an advisor to the Cincinnati Museum of Natural History Minority Arts Task Force of the Ohio Arts Council, the Greater Dayton Race Relations Task Force, and the Bias Review Council of the Ohio Department of Education. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio. Glad to be here. This week's federal court decision to shut the Dakota Access Pipeline down until a thorough environmental impact assessment is completed, which could take years, is a huge win for Standing Rock and for all water protectors. How are you feeling about this decision? How about you, Don? Thank you so much, Carolyn. The feelings are honestly, for me, a bit of a surprise. I think that as a water protector person, uh, activist, environmentalist, what we saw happening was a call for the removal of man camps around pipelines. We saw the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women. We saw the issue of environmental racism. We saw the issue of lack of funding. We saw the issue of lack of sovereignty, and it, it, it's overwhelming collection of issues that center around pipelines. And so when this decision came, and it was about a small piece after the Trump administration had signed an executive order saying that it was going through after such a massive defeat, it seemed like this came out of nowhere. And so we want to celebrate and say yes, and at the same time, pause and say, okay, but how, how, how is this really addressing all of these other issues? Is this honoring our treaties? Is this, we, it, it's still sinking in. 
I think for me, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop maybe. It's a win for the environment, but we're also, we're looking at the pathway that all of those uh, big vehicles dug into the earth, uh, disturbing sacred sites. That's not being addressed. We're, I mean, what was addressed were the environmental impact issues, the oil spills and the potential leaks, all important because 7 million people rely on that particular water source. But what about all of the ancillary issues surrounding it? So that's how I'm feeling. That's my initial sense was yay, but, but also hold on. Let's look at this deeper. Thank you, Don. How about you, Jerry? Well, <clears throat> I, am, I am cautiously optimistic. Um, the Guy Jones was actually the person who got, us, got me involved with Standing Rock, being that he's, he's from Standing Rock. And um, we stand and continue to stand in solidarity with not only those, those water protectors that were there, but also with the continued leadership and and elders in their position um, at Standing Rock. So um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think our entire art organization and those other native people and indigenous people and water protectors that I spoke to um, are all cautiously optimistic. Um, and we're just waiting to see uh, how we progress between now and November. Um, I think that this is gonna I think what will happen is it's going to take at least 13 months, if not longer, to, um, to do. And by that point, the election will happen and regime change will possibly go through. Um, we already know that, um, that the, the, new, the new administration, if it's elected in, has a different view on the pipeline. So we're, we're crossing our fingers. How about you, Guy? Says, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, but like Jerry said, you know, there's that optimism. And it's like, been doing this for a while. And after a while, you know, you kind of get used to um, a number of things. One of the things is like, okay, so what's next? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, what's the reaction going to be? You know, it's um, what's going to be the next challenge. And, you know, so then you, know, you prepare yourself for that. And, you know, and it's like, and that's one of the things, you know, you, you celebrate these, you know, these victories and everything, but you know that uh, the struggle continues, you know, where there's a system in place in this country that, you know, that, um, you know, they're scared because of the changes that are coming. And I mean, you know, and it's like, because it's just not native people that are, you know, asking for this change, but there's a change on multitude of different levels. And in a sense that, so the system is now being challenged. And, you know, and it's like, and so, you know, they're stepping up their game. So, you know, we, we, in a sense that, you know, we have to do the same. I'm wondering um, how this court decision will impact the Ohio Native American communities that you're working with and also those of your own nations and other indigenous groups fighting in Brazil. I imagine it's encouraging a lot of people to see that there's some positive um, legal decisions, but it isn't final. So how do you feel um, legally how this might impact, first of all, your, your own community that you're working in, in Ohio, and then possibly the nations that you're from, that you're part of? 
Why don't we start with you, Jerry, this one? Well, I think um, one of the things we're looking at in the state of Ohio is we're looking at continued legislation at the state level that's trying to push through the, 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 uh, the, the building of petrochemical plants on the Ohio River, trying to continue to push through um, legislation that, uh, that, that limits the environmental impact uh, the environmental laws and the uh, the those um, the 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 laws that govern our waterways, um, and you have Orsenko, which is uh, which has rolled back um, hundreds of environmental impact regulations that they are enforcing, and in this is going is creating the the scenario for these petrochemical plants to to build on the Ohio and continue uh, poisoning the water for 5 million uh, people downstream from it. And now this time, it's not just the reservation. Now this time, it's the city of Cincinnati. It's the city of Newport. It's the city of Covington. And not only is it just the, the impact because of the petrochemicals, it's the impact because of the um, of the runoff, it's the in impact because of the erosion, which is going to create greater um, a greater impact on the environment in the Ohio River. You're going to have more algae blooms. So this is all of this. When we say we're water protectors, we're land protectors. The Ohio, it's named in the, the state of Ohio is a, is a native name. That's that's always been protected by those native and indigenous people that have been here from time immemorial. So that's a part of us. And that has a connection to those pipelines all the way back to South Dakota, all the way into Canada, all these pipelines and the efforts of the petrochemical plants to put oil through these pipelines comes all the way here to Ohio. You know, I think it gives us a, a, a sense of, a sense that maybe there is hope because we have people in, in, um, in Arizona that are fighting in Oak Flats against the the copper mining that they're trying to that they're trying to uh, dig in on on Apache land, you know, and and you have barriers, and there's there's so many other fights that are occurring right now. So we take a breath, we pause for a minute, and we acknowledge that, and we get right back into the trenches because this is this is big, but it's also it's not the end, you know. Yeah. How about you, Guy? I mean, I can't elaborate any much more than what Jerry's already presented. You know, they, he just forgot to mention a few of the pipelines, but, you know, those are ongoing efforts. And I mean, you know, the current efforts that are going on in regards to the petrochemical, it's just the changes in the laws, you know, those are all battles that, you know, we're constantly, you know, lobbying against. I mean, you know, because there's changes. There's changes that are happening. The current administration has really... Um, set everything a lot back a lot yeah and i mean you know and then they've opened the floodgates and i mean you know that's uh, it's a constant battle and you how about you don yeah so up on the white earth reservation uh we have our own pipeline there's almost a joke in indian country that talks about everybody has their own pipeline and some of them are literal pipelines and some of them are other ways in which the earth is being scorched a couple of things about here in Ohio. Some things that I am encouraged about regarding the ruling from the Dakota Access Pipeline is that the judge talked about the leaks. 
he talked in his ruling talked about even a small amount of leak is too much. So I'm encouraged by that in especially because he also tied it into an economic issue of demand for oil products. So I'm wondering if this is going to set some precedent now that we don't have the high demand for oil and a small leak is not worth it to the, the capitalists. So I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm wondering how that will move us forward in the conversation about energy. Um, so that's, that's one part. But then the other part that we really need to address is the prophecies that indigenous people have been talking about for a very long time. The prophecies of the seventh fire, the prophecy of the eagle and the condor, uh, the prophecy of closing the circle, and all of these different things that we have been talking about since time immemorial, about putting the earth back in the hands of indigenous people. It's not, it shouldn't be beyond us to think about the fact that 80% of the world's biodiversity is in the hands of indigenous people. And that's because there is a relationship there. That relationship should not be lost on us. And to think about our reciprocity in how we deal with the earth and how we are listening. So, so all of those things I'm thinking about when I think about Ohio and how we are honoring the good river that is here. Uh, same thing I think about up in Minnesota, White Earth. How are we keeping our traditions alive and how are we being responsible when we're harvesting our foods and how we're protecting our waterways? So I know that Guy has some things to say about water protection too. I am just one individual person. I'm not, I'm not an elder and I'm not a leader in that way. So I'm just speaking from my own opinion, my own heart. And I don't speak on behalf of all other Indian women either. Well, with that segue, Guy, what are some of your thoughts on water protectors? Well, <clears throat> are you ready? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's, um, first of all, let, let, let's go in and, and talk about something here real quick. Somewhat. Let, let, let's talk about something here real quick. And let's address that issue of, um, that's a, a term that I really struggle with in a sense that there's a, a physical, there's a mental mindset that which we, all citizens, all people, everybody that's here, it's not just native people, but we have to change this mental mindset in a sense that like even that term water protector, I've never considered myself that. And I really began to look at individuals and people who use that term water protector because as citizens and as people, we have a responsibility and that responsibility, even yourself, you know, that, you know, and it doesn't matter the complexion of your skin or, you know, any of that, you know, what culture and everything is that we have a responsibility to take care of the gifts that were given to us. And that is the earth. Hmm. And, you know, we take care of the earth, the earth takes care of us. And so, you know, and that's that, that mental mindset, that mindset with which we need to begin to address that mental mindset so that we can begin to look at approaching these 
environmental issues a sense of responsibility. And that's, you know, because, you know, we need to, we need to step up our game in that sense of responsibility. And so when, you know, when we look at these things and, you know, it's um, no matter what issue it is, whether, you know, if it is these pipelines, if it's about the water, if it's about the land, if it's about food, poverty, you know, we can just go on. We can begin to connect all of those dots. And that's one of the things is this, is that this is just one aspect. This is one dot in that, you know, that spectrum. And, you know, so we, we need to go and, you know, we need to change that mentally because those are the type of things. There's a, um, a particular mindset today, in a sense, that how even Standing Rock got started, you know, and it's like, and what that was, that was a prayer movement, a movement of prayer. And that was through a vision, a vision that was given to the elders. You know, you had the youth. You had the youth there who basically suddenly said, okay, enough. You know, they, they begin to think about their future. They begin to think about their children, their grandchildren. And they went to the elders, and it was the elders who went into ceremony. And when they came out of ceremony, they spoke of prayer, of patience, of humility, and responsibility. And that's where that movement began. And, you know, and, and it's... Um, Yes, we had these issues that they were confronting, but they they maintained that responsibility in a sense that, you know, this is this we need to take care of these gifts that have been given to us. And so if we change that mindset, you know, then then you know it's like you'd be amazed at what can be accomplished. And this is one of those accomplishments. When this ruling came down, you know, the elders were like, you know, may the prayers continue. You know, and then say, you know, because they knew that, you know, this is just, this is just one of many steps to take and return that in that sense of us reestablishing our responsibility as caretakers of this earth. It's Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio, and I'm speaking with Don Knickerbocker, Jerry Neri, and Guy Jones, all Indigenous leaders in Southwest Ohio. We've had this incredible ruling, not only in, um, in Standing Rock but also in the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. Um, that pretty much has shut down. And, and that was a strong coalition of indigenous people and also African-American people working in collaboration. So I understand what you were saying, Guy, about it's not just water protector, it's, it's the earth protector, it's the air, it's the food, it's, it's taking care of what we have. Is that what you were saying? Yes, <clears throat> exactly. And, you know, it's, um, we have, you know, it, it's like, you know, even when I sit down and talk with, you know, members of various different faiths, uh, especially those of the Abrahamic faiths, um, you know, that, you know, you're, that word dominion, what exactly does that mean? You know, that, that means you're a caretaker. Mm-hmm. That doesn't give you authority or power. And in the sense that, you know, when we begin to look at what's happening on a social level, in a sense that, we're now dealing with these, a mindset of superiority. And it's like, you weren't given that superiority. You were given a responsibility. And look what you've done, you know, in a sense that, you know, it's like what we are facing today, these so-called dilemmas, you know, it's like, what is that? And that's because, you know, because of your excessive greed and, you know, and your, your lack of responsibility we're now facing this. And, you know, so whether, you know, 
there was a man who died in the streets to wake up the world. Yeah. And that's what it took. And now we're looking at this in the sense that be, because people are now, you know, looking at themselves and, you know, and, and realizing that, you know, that there's a lack of morals and, you know, and that moral injustice that has taken place. And, you know, and it's like, and you see that, and we, you know, you can see that even in the ruling, when you listen to the words of the judge, as he was explaining his decision, in a sense that you see that, you know, you saw a ray of hope and mm. in, in a, a ray of hope that, you know, that, you know, that are, that there's the possibility of, you know, a future for our children and our grandchildren. And, you know, and that's, you know, that, that was really, that was the point that I was like really enthusiastic about. Yeah, I agree, Guy. That is, it was the most touching part for me and understanding that we, we do need to integrate human rights with indigenous rights and into a, a comprehensive social risk analysis is from the people who are looking to make money. They need to understand that human rights come first uh, and that we are not isolated and these are not isolated incidents. And as we watch somebody die in the street because of the color of their skin, we know that many, many people have died surrounding what's happened around pipelines. Mm. And that cannot be lost on us. We can't overlook the fact that there have been calls for justice for so long so many people, so many voices, so many people are still jailed to this day because they stood up against these hazards, just trying to protect the rights of, of people. Red Fawn and so, so many still to this day. I'm, I'm interested in the story of the black snake um, and the connection, the story of of the is that a is that kind of like accepted as part of this oil fight, this pipeline fight? Is that part I of it? That, uh, <clears throat> I think we should refer to Guy Jones for that. Okay. It's um one of the things that I constantly remind people is that you know when you eat when we begin to look at prophecies and we begin to look at these things, it's like those perceptions and those interpretations of these prophecies. And, you know, and, and with which we, we go and approach these. And, you know, and it was like in that, the story of the black snake was just one of many in regards to the prophecies. And, and if you're, um, because along with that, and it's really vitally important to understand that, you know, these prophecies and these stories come out of a, you know, a relationship that we have and that relationship that we have with each other in those stories, you know, and if you know the Lakot, what we refer to as the Lakowichoha, which is a way of living in a sense that, because in that there's a, a element of reality and that, that element of reality, that, that, you know, that snake, snakes always travel in twos 
And so this is just one. And so that, that which we need to begin to look at. So there's, and how do you change that? And what does that snake, you know, what did it represent? And, you know, and then it's like, and that's one of the things is that if you talk to some of the older people, they will tell you that, you know, how that serpent came to be on the face of the earth. And it was because of man's arrogance, serpents came to be part of the earth, part of creation. And how do we correct that arrogance? And, you know, and so, you know, you basically look at the values of, you know, this way of living in the sense that, you know, and what are some of those values? Some of those values, you know, evolve around humility, compassion, truth, you know, and bravery. And those are the type of things that, you know, we need to bring back into these stories and have a, a deeper understanding. But the black snake was just one of those interpretations. And there's multitude of interpretations in regards to that particular story. Because, you know, some people will go, and I'm one of them that will tell you that if you listen to the story, they're talking about dragons. And, you know, and all of us, you know, it's within us. One of, one of the other things I wanted to bring up really quick, and because it hasn't been mentioned yet, and I don't want it to get lost um, before we run out of time, is uh, that 21 hours ago, the Supreme Court ruled against the KXL pipeline, and it's not going to be issue, reissuing the permits to go underneath, um, underneath the water. Um, they upheld the Montana Federal Court and the Ninth Circuit Court decision. So the KXL pipeline has lost its permits and they won't be reissued as well. That's powerful. Yeah, we have um, probably about three or four more minutes. I would like you to um, give people, listeners, if they want to help or get involved or learn more, do you have like a website that you would recommend they look, they check out? It depends oh, sorry, sorry. on it depends on what they're you know what they're looking for you know um, one of the things that we try and and I understand about um, the term the term water protector and it's a common it's a it's a common term for uh, environmentalists who have been active in this but the 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 issue is trying to not use labels because labels are a part of colonialism and that's something that that colonialism bought us is everyone has to have a label everyone has to have a title um and so the reason i'm bringing this up is because all of this is a part of a, of a greater issue and that's colonialism and that is um identifying those things and so um at gcnativeamericancoalition.com which is our organization we list resources um, for education and different things that are happening. Um, if you want to specifically look into the history of the Standing Rock um, resistance of things that happened with that, I think the best thing to do is just is to Google it and go to so many different articles um, that were by Unicorn Riot and um, Myron Dewey and um, Indigenous Environmental Network. Um, they did a wonderful job. They were there. They, re they, um, they were able to record so much of what was happening and, and um, I think they're gonna be a part of that history as well. I also suggest going to the Lakota Law Project. Um, they have been 
They have several different projects that they have been working on regarding Standing Rock, surrounding communities. Um, there's many pipelines still affecting people. And I know from my reservation, honortheearth.org is another website to go to. Um, the executive director is Winona LaDuke and she has been a strong advocate for environmental protection. She tends to keep her uh, website up to date so you can find out what's happening there at White Earth. Uh, but I also agree with, with Jerry and, and there's so many great resources. We'll, we'll try to keep them updated on our GCNAC website but Unicorn Riot does a fantastic job. The Indigenous Environmental Network also does an incredible job. And you, Guy. But also, too, you know, there's some other people that are really strong advocates, and you know, like the Sierra Club. Thank you for being on my show. Yeah, thanks for inviting. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.